And we were only there days when this little boy from the neighborhood came and knocked the door. And I remember his hair was as white as snow, and he was three years old. And he asked, can I play with your boy? And what a wonderful thing, just in a new country, new neighborhood. And here is this little boy, similar age to our Ewan, who was also three years old at that time. And there is this longing in every heart to discover real friendship. Now, with kids, they have to realize, well, are they really interested in you or your toys? Welcome again to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. Always a privilege to bring you the message of God's Word. Always a privilege to preach the cross, to tell of the Lord Jesus and His power to save sinners. And I invite you to stay with us through the program today as we come to Proverbs chapter 17 and to the subject, the power of friendship. I have a beautiful story to tell you, the story of a little three-year-old boy knocking on our door. Have you counted the cost? That is our hymn today by Amanda Reed, and we'll close with our Bible study notes on Genesis 5. Genesis 5, that genealogy that takes you from Adam to Noah, and I hope that you will send for these notes. You can go to our website. There you will find them and you can download them for yourself, for your own benefit, for group study, or as we do here in our church, for Bible class. So, may the Lord draw near and help us today as we minister His Word on the subject of the power of friendship. Stay tuned as we move to this message from Proverbs chapter 17. The proverb that I want to speak on tonight is easy to remember. It is Proverbs chapter 17, verse 17. A friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Did you ever watch children playing in the street? A little boy goes up to another, and he asks, will you be my friend? And you can learn very quickly of this longing in the human heart for real friendship. When we had arrived in Canada in 1984, we rented a home for a month. Uh, it was called Cowtown in Cloverdale. It's that area with all the, the cow names. There's Holstein, Jersey, Hereford, and all of that. And uh, we had a, a place there that we rented. And we were only there days when this little boy from the neighborhood came and knocked the door. And I remember his hair was as white as snow. And he was three years old. And he asked, can I play with your boy? And what a wonderful thing. Just in a new country, new neighborhood, and here is this little boy, similar age to our Ewan, who was also 
three years old at that time. And there is this longing in every heart to discover real friendship. Now, with kids, they have to realize, well, are they really interested in you or your toys? Maybe it was that little toy that they saw uh, that they are more interested in. And young children have to prove uh, real friendship and companionship. And through life, that is our challenge. Uh, in every stage of life, we need to discover and hold on to those companionships and those friendships that are lasting. Now, notice in this proverb uh, the, the nature of a true friend. It says, a friend loveth at all times. He loveth at all times, not only when things are going well and you've got that nice shiny new toy, whether it is a little plaything for a child or your new car that you've just purchased and someone wants a ride in it or taken an interest in you because of that, or whatever else it is that people find attractive to befriend you. But when your troubles begin, when you're down and out, when you're ill, when you have nothing to offer, you have no energy, you have no health, maybe you have no money, no job, and you have hit the low, then is the test of real companionship. Now, it's difficult to interpret this text. Is a brother born in adversity or for adversity? Usually we discover when we are in need who our friends really are. Who are those who will step up to really help in our time of need? And of course, the children of God, they need to discover that we have real friends with God's people. The Lord Jesus, of course, said that if ye love one another, so shall ye be my disciples. And by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love to one another. Now, when you think about the early church, it was an amazing demonstration of not only spiritual but practical love. In the book of Acts, chapters 2, those early chapters of the book, we read of those new converts, new believers who had given up so much, who had lost so many friends, coming under persecution at times, and yet they entered into the bonds of real, genuine, godly, Holy Spirit-filled friendship with believers. Now, that love amongst believers in times of revival was really an extension of the love that they had found in the Lord. And it was because of the grace that God was pouring into their lives that they were able to demonstrate that to one another. Now, I want us tonight to consider the Lord Jesus as the greatest of all friends. 
I know we could take this in another direction and talk about your friendship to me and my friendship to you, but I think we would go down a road that we would all be bitterly disappointed because what can I offer everybody, and can you befriend me in the same way that the Lord Jesus does for his people? And I do think that here in the book of Proverbs, we have pictures of the Lord. The very word wisdom is personified as the Lord Jesus. So it is proper to take even a proverb like this and apply it to the Lord Jesus. And I want us firstly tonight to think of the endurance of the Lord as our friend. There never was a time when the Lord did not love you if you are now a believer in the Lord Jesus. Never was a time when the Lord did not love you. He has loved us from eternity, from before the world. We read in 2 Timothy 1 verse 9, who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. And there is the source and the commencement of a union and a friendship that can never be broken. When you think of the Lord's 33 years of life in this world, again, you think of unbroken friendship. The Lord loved his church and loved his people all the way right to the cross. Go with him into Gethsemane, and there you will see the agony that he bore, that he might bear the burden of sin and bear the cross that was soon to come. Now, when you read the book of Jeremiah, and you remember how God called Jeremiah to be a preacher, and God said that from your mother's womb I have known you and called you to be a preacher. And the Lord knew every one of us even in our mother's womb and had appointed us to eternal life. And think of this. The Lord loved us even while we were sinning, even while we were wild and ungodly and yet unconverted. Now, I base this on a great text, Romans 5, verse 8. God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And it was not because we were good. It's not because we were better, but because we were sinners that the Lord went all the way to the cross and was willing to save us. Now, this is absolutely amazing love. And it's true, absolutely true. The Lord loved you while you were going about your early childhood days, even in your youth, even in your unconverted state, and while you were ready to sow the seeds of sin and bring forth an awful harvest on godliness. 
the Lord set his love and focused his love upon you even then. There's a hymn that says, Loved when a wretch, defiled with sin, at war with heaven, in league with hell, a slave to every lust obscene, who living lived but to rebel. And that is the wonder of it all, that the Lord's grace and love was toward us. Now, the love of the Lord Jesus, He loved you when you were first constrained to seek Him. And as we know, it was really the Lord seeking us that caused us to seek Him. So it was His love for us before our love for Him. And 1 John 4.19 confirms it, uh, that He first loved us, and then we love Him. And of course, the Lord Jesus saw within our heart the very first convictions of sin. And He saw them because He gave them. He was the one that was uh, causing us to feel the pricks of our conscience and of our sinfulness. And He loved you when you started to pray when you started to ask for mercy, then He loved you because He offered you mercy, and He put that very prayer within your heart. And so, this is an ongoing chain of unbroken friendship and grace to every one of our hearts. Then as new Christians, oh, what a blessing to enter into faith and grace and to the mercy of the Lord Jesus. And when we were first saved, we were still guilty of little sins. Some would call them omissions, but maybe not. Maybe we were willful. Maybe we were rebellious, new converts, professing faith in the Lord Jesus, telling the world that we are now members of the kingdom of God, and yet so much of the world still clinging to us, so many of the ways of self about us, and others perhaps noticed things and heard things that were not right, and they were gracious like the Lord until we grew and grew and came to some form of maturity in the Lord. Think of Peter. Peter, who denied the Lord three times. We can write it off. He was new. He was young in the faith. He was taken off guard. But even in the betrayal, in the disappointment that he offered the Lord, the Lord said, I have prayed for thee that thy faith failed not. The Lord didn't cast him off. Because the Lord Jesus is a Savior, a friend, that loveth at all times. He was born for adversity, to take our sins upon Him, and to be our Savior. The Lord Jesus also continues to love us through changing times. In our Christian lives, there are ups and downs. There are prosperity, poverty, sickness, sorrows, offenses, 
even down to the shadows of death. And the Lord Jesus is a brother who loveth us at all times. And when you are prospering, you still enjoy his love. But when you're bankrupt and you have nothing in your account in this world, the love of Jesus for your soul does not change one iota. And we always tend to ask the question, why did this have to happen? Well, it doesn't change our status with the Lord. His love continues to be unfailing. And in the Psalm 23, of course, we have that great promise, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Right down into the darkness of death, the Lord Jesus promises to be with us. And that is the adversity that every one of us is going to face. That is the trial and tribulation that we in these mortal bodies will one day endure. And we need to take this truth, this text, this knowledge of our Savior, and apply them to our hearts in that hour. Let's turn to Romans chapter 8 in the closing verses of that great chapter of the unfailing grace of God. Romans chapter 8. Let's go to just verses 38, 39. And we learn here that the Lord is indeed a brother in adversity, a friend that loveth at all times. The apostle Paul said, I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. And at the close of our meeting tonight, I want us to sing uh, this great hymn, there's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one, no, not one. None else could heal all our soul's diseases. No, not one, no, not one. No friend like him, so high and holy. No, not one, no, not one. And yet no friend so meek and lowly. No, not one, no, not one. Jesus knows all about our struggles. He will guide till the day is done. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. And brother and sister, take this to heart tonight. This truth, this unchanging characteristic of our Savior is your strength in times of difficulty when you don't know why, and you don't know how you came to this, but the Lord promises to be with us in every situation in life. I remember a good number of years ago, we had a young woman who uh, was diagnosed with terminal cancer. 
And how do you minister to people who are really going down the valley? There's no turning around. There's no cure. There is no prospect of healing. Uh, they are facing glory. Thankfully, this uh, woman, Linda, was marvelously saved, had a great testimony, and loved Christ. And I decided that in our prayer meetings, because our whole congregation was grieving at the prospect of the loss of Linda in this congregation, and we, for many weeks in our prayer meetings, went right down those key verses in Romans chapter 8. And at her bedside in the hospital, I would take those same verses, read them, pray over them with Linda, and sought to bring her that assurance and comfort of the gospel. And we need to know tonight that we have a gospel that is foolproof. It is soul-proof. It's heaven-proof. We don't want to be in a leaky ark. We don't want to be in a vessel that might be tossed or turned by the changing of times. We want to know that our soul is safe. And in Christ, we have a friend that loveth at all times, a brother for adversity. Now, I move to the reality of the Lord's love is seen in what it cost him to be a savior and a friend to our souls. Thank you for joining with us here on Let the Bible Speak Today, and I hope that message on the book of Proverbs has been a help. The Lord is a wonderful friend. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. And it is true, we find that the Lord is our comforter and our friend. Here in the book of Genesis chapter 5, we learn about Noah, and he is the tenth after Adam, uh, that is, the tenth generation, and in the line of Seth. His name, Noah, means comfort. The reason for the name given to him at birth by his father Lamech 
speaks to the burden of life due to the fall and to the spread of wickedness in the world prior to the great flood. See the disquieting words that you find in verse 29. And he called his name Noah, saying, This same shall comfort us concerning our work and toil of our hands because of the ground which the Lord hath cursed. Life was hard due to the curse that was upon the ground. It was so different and so deficient from life in Eden. Then work was easy and gathering food was easy. Now it was a matter of struggling for survival. And that's the world that we live in. And that's the world where God has sent His Son to be our Savior. Yes, we need a deliverer from all the problems and all the wretchedness of this earthly life. And of course, death is catching up. I want to point out here that mortality or death was universally stamped upon all men due to the curse of sin. There's a wonderful, or what shall I say, a strange little caveat at the end of every person's life story. There is a repeated emphasis after each patriarch's name upon the certainty of death, with none escaping the final caveat, and he died. And it doesn't matter whose life you read about, Noah, Adam, and all the patriarchs in between, and it simply ends with the statement, and he died. And one day that will be written over your life story, and he died. Whatever goes before, but death is going to catch up, and we need to be ready. We need the comfort of the gospel. And of course, the whole story of Noah's life is that God had a way to comfort him. He had a way of salvation to deliver him from the judgment. There was also the rainbow that would bring comfort to Noah and all his descendants that God would never again judge the world by that means. And so we take heart today that the the Lord is our comforter, and the Lord is our deliverer. And if we are in Christ, just as Noah was in the ark, we shall be saved. I'd like you to send for these notes. They are available online. If you go to ltbs.ca, and if you go to Resources, Bible Studies, and Genesis, and there you will find them chapter by chapter, note by note, and you can download them, study them personally, study them as a family, study them as a group, or even in your church. May the Lord use His Word in your heart today, and I do thank you for tuning in. We're just going to close now with a few necessary announcements. Stay with us. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. Call me, please, at 604 897 For all the details of our broadcasts across Canada, go to ltbs.ca. This broadcast comes to you today from the Free Presbyterian Church in Cloverdale, located at 18790 58th Avenue, Surrey, 
at the corner of 188th Street and 58th Avenue. Our website is cloverdealfpc.ca and there you can find gospel articles, links to our sermons, a gospel booklet called A New Beginning and a link to watch our services online. You're warmly invited to attend any of our Sunday services at 10.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. to meet with us as we worship God and to hear the preaching of His precious Word. We also meet for Bible study and prayer every Wednesday evening at 7.30 p.m. Our Sunday School for Children and Adult Bible Class meet every Lord's Day at 9.30 a.m. from September to June. You can contact us at 604-567-1091. Alternatively, you can email me at pastor.cloverdealfpc at gmail.com. Again, for all this information, please visit our website at cloverdealfpc.ca. Our burden is that you will hear and understand the gospel that will bring you to know the Lord Jesus Christ and his great salvation. This is Pastor Andrew Fitton. Thank you for listening today. And be sure to listen Monday to Friday at 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our one-hour church service as we worship the Lord through the ministry of His Word.